0: morning, usually it's a little bit more spread out, Um, we'll get through it though, it's all right. Well, this morning we are in our final week of our series called Kingdom Come. We've covered um, three different aspects of the, kingdom, uh, of the Kingdom Come and talking about this expectation of Jesus. And the first thing that we had talked about is what we will experience while we're waiting for the Kingdom to come. So specifically, the types of things that we will experience in this life. But then last week, we kind of took it to a different level and we said, well, it's not just what we're going to experience, but it's what we should do While we're waiting for the kingdom to come. And we kind of uh, trudged through that and we kind of talked about this kingdom objective that every one of us, if you call yourself a Christian this morning, that we've all been entered into this greater calling and this kingdom objective that we're supposed to be united with Christ and fulfilling. Well, this week it's taking a little bit uh, different turn and it's talking about how we're to cope with life while we're waiting for the kingdom to come, how we're to cope with life. I want to tell you just a, a very quick story. Um, you may have heard this story before. I'm going to absolutely hammer this guy's name because it's Japanese, and I'm not. Um, uh, it's a story about a guy who was a, a Japanese soldier, and his name, I believe, was, was Shioki Yokoi. I'm only going to say it once. You think I'm right, so we're going to stop there. Um, He was a Japanese soldier and something happened in this individual's life in 1944 with the he was on the island of Guam and he decided that he was going to escape all of the things that were going on at, at that time in the war as it was building and ensuing. He decided that the best thing he could do was to hide in a cave. Well, in 1944, he went into the cave, and as he was trying to get away from everything else that was going on, and and the fear of capture, and death, and all of these things, he, you know, and he he was a soldier, so that he knew he would be on the chopping block, and he was a fear for his life, so he decided the best thing he could do was to hide out in a cave. The problem with his, his, uh, his plan there was, he remained in that cave for 28 years, 28 years, that's a long time. Some of y'all haven't been alive for 28 years. 28 years he remained in that cave, and he was paralyzed by fear. He was paralyzed because he thought that it, all he would do is if he went out during the daylight hours, somebody would capture him and certainly kill him. So he lived his life in fear. He lived off mangoes and he ate rats. Um sounds really good for lunch. And he, did, he, he, he basically had this... This lifestyle where he lived in this cave and he lived his life in fear. He only came out at night. You see, he, he came out after those 28 years and there was some, actually some hunters in the area that kind of saw him. And, and he was a little bit afraid at first, but then he was told, hey, the war is over. 28 years, dude. Seriously, cut your hair. Come on. Let's, you know, let's, let's uh, live a normal life. So he was freed of that situation but the reason why I tell you that story is he was in a self-imposed prison. That is exactly what fear does in us. If we live a life of fear, we, are, we have a self-imposed prison. I wonder how many folks in here this morning say, you know what, I'm living my life in fear. My, my life is so consumed with worry and anxiety and doubt if, if we're to be honest in here this morning, let me just, let me just throw this out there. I'm going to need some vulnerability, okay? Y'all look vulnerable, so this is all going to work, right? Good. I'm going out on a limb. Um, if, if I were to go through, and I'm just going to say a few things. If, if you were going to be honest with me, and, and, and likewise, if you say, you know what? Out of all of the anxieties and worries and doubts in my life, who would say that most of those are centered around your family? Raise your hand and be, come on now. All right, so I've got some. Center around family. Okay, that's good. Broke the ice on that one. How many, how many people would say that the reason why they have maybe doubts, fear, and anxiety is because of a financial stress? How many? All right. Pretty much the same hands. Man, you all are in trouble. Um, here's what I want, here, and I'm taking you to this point. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the person next to you, and I want you to tell them um, briefly, Okay, this is in a counseling session. I want you to tell them briefly what it is specifically that you, that you most fear and have doubts and anxieties over. Look at the person next to you and do that. Give you just a moment. If you're sitting alone, talk to yourself. You're not crazy. It's okay. All right, all right, all right. We only have a certain amount of time here. Come on. Too much laughing was going on i don 't even think they did what I asked him to do. <laughs> exactly. Laughter is good, medicine sometimes. Well, this morning, I just want you to know, and, and this is kind of the the direction that we 're headed. The things that you probably said were most of those were sent around money or or family or. Um, uh, looking for a job or just other types of stresses that happen in our life, health concerns. And all of those things are valid and all of those so consume us, which is an amazing thing because in the Word of God, we don't just have a prescription to get through our day, day by day, we have a cure. And it's a cure for all of those things that ail us. It's a cure for our soul. If you would open your Bible to Psalm 27, if you did not bring a Bible, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. If you did not bring a Bible, we have some underneath your chair, around you, under your chair, behind you, something. Help somebody. We're going to read all of Psalm 27. This is a Psalm of David. Psalm 27, reading verses 1 through 14, I still hear some flipping. So, I will wait, and we will read after I pray. Let's bow our heads in prayer before we read God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the rain, and we thank you for just the calm and the storms of our life. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we just peer into uh, this this book, this, uh, this authority of our life, Lord, that we would look upon uh, the Word of God this morning and that it would not just be something of information, but of transformation. And Lord, that we would be equipped as we leave this place and, and possibly, Lord, if, if the Word could encourage us to be able to live out the truths that are talked about today. And I pray that you just give us grace in all things as we try and live our life unto you with this kingdom objective that you've placed in our midst. We just ask it in the name of our Savior. And everybody said, Amen. Psalm 27, starting in verse 1, says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble, they will stumble and fall. Though an army beseech me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is all I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At His tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Verse 7. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and and answer me. My heart says to you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes for false witnesses rise up against me breathing out violence. These are two key verses. Pay very close attention to verse 13 and 14. I'm still confident of this, David says, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for The There are some powerful things in this text and what I would like to do uh, very briefly is really this scripture tells us three of, of really the biggest stressors that we have in our life. Three of the biggest things that we worry about. Three of the biggest things that we have anxiety about. Three of the things that if I'm honest that we have doubts about. These three things that I will point out to you. In verse 2, it says, When evil men, evil men advance against me to devour my flesh. When my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army beseech, what's the next word? Me. My heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. So there's, there's the first thing this idea of, of evil men, people around us. We we have this idea from this scripture of isolation, like it's it's us against a large group of people, like all I can do is I feel like I'm fighting this battle myself. There's a there's a a war going on around me, and I feel like I'm all alone, David says in this text. So this idea of evil men and oppressors going against him. And he feels like he's isolated. He's trying to fight this battle, and as a matter of fact, he it kind of intensifies. He says, "Evil men and my enemies in an army, and now there's a war that's breaking out. It's a war that's breaking out, not just for his life, but for his soul. For us, this morning, I know some of you come in and you have you're in an all-out spiritual war in your life." And I want to tell you, and, and I hope that this text points to it very, very clearly. The only way to get through that war is if you join and you allow the Lord to fight it for you. But then there's another thing that we see in verse 10. Verse 10, it says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. So there's a different level. It's not just evil people, but now it's family. He says, even though my family may come against me, even though that I, I may stand for truth in my family, and maybe I'm the only Christian in my family. He says, even though a, a war may break out over me, I have evil people, and, and now I've, I, I even have my, my whole family coming against me, and now I'm under attack. David says, he says, the Lord will receive me, even though my own family has turned their back on me. Maybe some of you this morning, maybe you feel like your family is turning their back on you because you're standing for truth. Maybe because you've, you've taken a stand at a family gathering and, and you've just said, you know what, I can't take part in this anymore because I'm supposed to be living my life under Christ. And I want to honor you, but, I, but, but really, I, I understand that all of this exists and many of you have families who are far from God. And when you get amongst your family, it is just like just a spirit of darkness. And sometimes we have to remove ourselves from that darkness. And we have to do so in, in, in just because the Lord wants us to so we can have victory over it. There's a time to inch back into that, into that, but sometimes it's it's okay to remove. So we have the family stress, not just evil people and the family stress, but if you continue that, in verse 12 it says, David put, Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. So now we have people who just speak all out lies uh, about us. Maybe saying things that we have done or saying things that we haven't done. Maybe it's people who are, who who just have false witness in our life, and when you stand for something, they're the naysayers and say, you know what, you're not going to make it anyway, I don't even know why you try. I don't even know why you're going to start, because you're not going to finish. But like, serious? You mean you're going to stand for Christ now? Because I remember a year ago, when you were out drinking with me, and now you're saying... That you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have to resist and you're going to have to remove yourself from those situations. But like, now, now you're saying, now I have false witnesses attacking me. And David says, even those false witnesses and all of that, when you take a stand for something, you will automatically take a stand against something. Stresses. We have those things. We have evil people around us. All of us have evil people around us. Every one of us. Has, has just its influence of evil around us. And then we also have the family stress. And if we're really honest, we know that there are people who, who would speak falsely about us, naysayers. That's why the Scripture gives not just a prescription, but it gives to the healing. Going back to verse 1, David wrote, "...the Lord is my light." And he's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? See, the Lord is my light. This is the idea of a guide. Isaiah 6.19 says this, The sun will no more be light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light. And your God will be your glory. So now the light, the light that we get through a relationship with Christ, and Isaiah speaks into this and says, you, you're not just waiting on this. The light that you want is going to be given by God Almighty. For you, the light, it says, the Lord is my light. He's your guide. The way that you're supposed to direct the course of your life. And He's my salvation. This is the, ideas, the idea of assurance. He's saying, you know what? He's my salvation. I am assured. Of who I am in Christ. Though there may be an army. Though I may feel like I'm isolated. Though there's people who speak evil against me. Though even my family may be against me. He says, the Lord is my guide. My assurance is in my salvation that I get through a relationship with Jesus Christ. But then there's this idea, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. I want to illustrate this point by a story. Um, Many of us have gone to this place um, my family decided we wanted to take a trip to Tybee Island. Everybody knows where Tybee Island is. That's like the getaway for uh, middle Georgia, for most of us anyway. So we had decided that we wanted to go to Tybee Island, and my folks were in town. We had set up to, uh, to go and have a nice uh, dinner down there, so we were looking for something else to do. Well, we were driving down 16, headed east... And it was like, we could see into the horizon that it was like the perfect storm, minus George Clooney, that was going on, like, right in front of us. I mean, it was horrible. And I'm, like, driving, and it's like, it's rains blow, you know, it's just, it's crazy. And I'm telling Marla, I'm like, I have no idea why we're going to Savannah today. Like, I have no idea. I'm driving two hours in the rain to do nothing and turn around. This is awesome. Four hours well spent, you know. So I'm like, so, so we're driving down the road, and I'm going with the flow. My folks are in town, happy face. Rock on. Here we go. So we're driving. We're headed, headed east. Everything's fine. It kind of clears up for a little bit, so I have a little bit of hope. So we get out to the, the Tybee Island, the lighthouse. It's a really cool thing. We had paid the fee to get into the lighthouse and to see the houses, or the, the residences that were there for the light keepers. So as we're down and we're looking through these things, all of a sudden we get out of one house, and this just annoying, most penetrating sound from the weather horns were going off on the island right i mean it was just cut through you like a knife and it may have been a mile away but it felt like it was 4 inches away it was just so deafening loud so automatically all of us had just have a sense of panic like what do we do what is this noise like we all of a sudden become 5 years old and we're like ah, i don't know what to do so we knew we were going to go in the lighthouse because you know fear of you know uh, lightning hello so in a lighthouse so we decided that the best thing we could do is go back to the cars, and then all of a sudden people are like coming out of the buildings and they're all frantic, and they're like, we need to seek shelter, we need to seek shelter, we need to seek shelter. I'm like, I'm about to hit the car, I'm not about to seek anything, I want to get out of this perfect storm, okay? So we, we heed their advice, and they talk us into going into this shelter, and we rally the family all together, and we're in this like little dungeon little thing with the little light with broken light bulb remnants all over the ground and we've got a baby with us it's a really memorable time um so we're in this dark room and it's it's right it's at the battery if you have been down there to tybee island down at the lighthouse it's the battery it's where the weapons used to be held many many years ago and it's all it's a a stronghold in the earth around it on one side on the beach side and on the back side there's only basically there's there's little entrances to get in it's a very secure place for us, it was a stronghold, it was a secure place in the storm. As a matter of fact, we went inside this this little stronghold, if you will, this secure place, and because I'm adventurous, maybe a little crazy, and, and it was like, it, it, by this time, the rain had come down, thunder and lightning, it was mayhem, but I had to see it. So I, I decided I would go up the steps, and I was sitting or standing under an awning, and the wind is just blowing like forest Gump rain, like every direction, and I could just see this storm coming in. I could see the wall cloud coming in. It was just incredible. It was a great sight. I went back into the battery. But you know what? I was secure where I was. I could see the storm, but I wasn't affected by the storm. Do you all get that? I could see the storm, but I wasn't affected by the storm. That's what a stronghold, when the, when the Lord Jesus is your stronghold, that's what it is. You may see the storm... But he allows that safe place, that refuge in the storm, that you wouldn't be affected by the storm. That's what he offers. Verse 4 says this. This is going to be the place of direct application this morning. Verse 4. There's kind of a transition here. It's like at first through uh, verses 1 through 3. It's like David is saying these things. He's like full of confidence. And he's like, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? It's like top of the mountain here. He's just like, he, the Lord is my everything. The Lord is my everything. The Lord is my everything. Transition to verse 4. And David says, there's one thing. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. So there's a transition. He's like, wow, shout it from the rooftops. And then verse 4, it kind of sinks in a little bit. And he says, okay, there's one thing I ask. There's one thing I seek. The first thing I want to point out from verse 4 is this idea of asking. Asking. You and I as Christians this morning... To, to have the very things that I'm talking about, and to, to remedy the, the worry and the fear and the anxiety, we have to go to the Lord and ask Him. It seems so simple, but I have to tell you, prayer is a spiritual discipline. It takes work. It takes commitment. The Lord meets you when you pray to Him, but you can't go through... And, and basically have these things, this idea of the Lord being your light that Isaiah 60 verse 19 talks about and how He is your assurance of your salvation and the stronghold of your life if you don't have a, a relationship built on conversation with Him. So it's, it's this idea of asking. 1 John five fourteen and 15, this is from the New Century Version. It says it very, very well. I looked at all kinds of translations on this, but I, I think this... Um, it, it says it very clearly. It says, And this is the boldness we have in God's presence that if we ask God for anything that agrees with what He wants, He hears us. And if we know He hears us, every time we ask Him, we know we have what we ask for in Him. So, what the scripture is saying is, when we ask things according to God's will, we can be confident that those things that the Lord hears us and that those things will come to pass and that he will answer. Of course we know that prayer doesn't always come in, in the direct form that we want, but the Lord answers. And for you and I this morning, when we when we go to the Lord in the that asking, that's when our relationship is built. Because we are basically professing before God, I can't handle this stress. I can't handle this worry. I Fear right now, Lord. I invite you in. I ask you. As a matter of fact, this word, as I looked up the definition of this word, it literally means to ask. Right? It literally means to ask. It says just ask. So David, as he's going through, he says, One thing, I ask of the Lord. I ask of the Lord. He said, this is what I seek. He says, I ask of the Lord. I'm not afraid to go to the Lord and ask Him. David, if you've read the Psalms and if you've read David's life and his story, he, was, he basically was a man who made himself vulnerable before the Lord, and that's where we grow. He says, I, I, I'm not afraid to ask. But then also we see something else. He says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. This idea of dwelling in the house of the Lord is not implying that it's a, it's a, a physical place, that, that he's just, well, I can't wait to get back to this place He's talking about this dwelling um, in the house of the Lord. He's talking about the dwelling in his own heart. He says, that I may dwell, that I may have the Lord dwell in my heart. He says, I know I can make it through, Lord, if I'm with you. I know I can make it through, Lord, if I'm with you. You're my stronghold. You're my refuge. You're my assurance. You're my guide. I can make it through if I'm with you. He says, but I I just want to make this commitment. I want to dwell with you. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to have a relationship with you. And he makes this claim. And he says. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. All the days of my life. He says. Lord I just want to make this declaration right now. I want to seek you. Lord I, I, want, to, I want to ask you. About these things. I want, to, I want to confide in you about these things. He says. In my heart. I want my heart to be your dwelling place Lord. As I put my trust in you. And then he says, continuing on that same, uh, in that same thought, he says, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. This idea of gazing is, is a matter of admiring. It's a matter of admiring. He says, he's like, you know what? I just want to reflect on you. I just want to reflect on you. Uh, I want to tell you a touchy-feely story because um, everybody likes those. Um, this idea of, of gazing and admiring. I'm going to tell you about the time that I met my wife, right? So this, this is awesome. Uh, at least it is for me and hopefully her. But uh, when we met all these years ago, uh, I remember that a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, had invited me to actually it turned out to be Marla's folks' house. And they were having to get together and had uh, a bunch of friends over. And I think he was trying to play matchmaker without saying, hey, I'm the matchmaker, kind of thing. So I remember going into into this house, and she was in the kitchen. I remember it vividly, and i walking into the living room, and, and the kitchen and the living room were kind of connected. I remember her standing there right by the countertop, and I remember it was like, that's why I'm here. That's awesome. <laughs> like, I think I want to get to know her a little bit. So I remember that I was kind of, you know, I I was one of those guys I I wanted everybody to think that I had it together um, but I really didn't have it all together and I really had zero game like in that time. Um, So I I remember looking over and I was like, wow. I I could feel like a connection not to be weird but I guess I'm I'm already there but it's it's one of those things like there was just this connection. I hadn't even spoken to her but I knew there was this connection and, and I remember just Like, wow, like there's something there. And though I didn't know what all that meant, and, you know, I'm a junior in high school, so I'm clueless, right, Um, at this time about what all these things meant, but I remember there was just something there, and I would just sit and admire her. But, you know, story ended up pretty well. She married me. Um, All, you know, worked out pretty well, right? Yeah. (laughs) She's concerned. She needs prayer. Um, but it worked out, it worked out rather well, but you know, I have to be honest with you, when, when we live our life and we admire things that are of this world, and we, we gaze upon the things that are of this world, they're really not that fulfilling. I mean, they're fulfilling in this life. My marriage is fulfilling, but at the end of the day, to the restoration of my soul to, to cure all my worry and my fear and anxiety, it can't be, it, I can't be made whole by a relationship with another person. I can't. The only way those things can be mended is if we do what David said. He says, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to sit and admire the Lord and sit, and sit in awe of the Lord. He says, "You know what? If I could just do these things, if I could just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, if I could just ask these things of you, Lord. And I just want to go and I want to, I want to ask you in prayer, Lord, just to be the remedy for my soul." And he says, "Then I, I'm just gonna, I want you to be the dwelling place. I want you to, to have a dwelling place in my heart, in my very heart, just to to mend my fear and my worry and my anxiety." He says. Not that I could sit and, and look at all the things that I've done and the people that I know and how much money that I have and how much influence I have and, and all of these different things and all my aspirations and all my dreams. He says, I want to do that because I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And you know what that means to me? I mean, to guys, to be honest with you, this seems a little, this seems a little foreign Like to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. It's like we, that seems like a weird thing for us, if I'm honest. But really what this is speaking into is God's attributes. His holiness. His justice. His love. His kindness. His grace that was poured out to us. So when we reflect upon the beauty of the Lord, it's all of His attributes. Some of the attributes that we can possess, but for the most part, it's the attributes that only He possesses because He is almighty and we are not. So it's this idea of gazing upon the beauty of the Lord and His all His attributes and trusting in Him, having full assurance in Him, having full trust in Him, committing our life to Him, not just making a decision for a moment, but making a decision for a lifetime. The thing I talked about last week is this idea of the kingdom come. It's not that we would just when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, is it isn't, it isn't just so we can make this split, disac- split decision right now. Like, I'm just making this decision, Lord. It's all about you. And then we live the way that we want to live. It's so that we make this decision for us to direct the rest of our life. It's having Jesus Christ as your Savior, but then also having Him as your Lord. To have Him as your Lord is a great and wonderful things, thing, rather. It requires us to, to ask, to have these this conversations, to have this relationship built on communication with the Lord Jesus and, and to ask Him to have a dwelling place within us and to gaze upon His attributes. But then also, as the Scripture continues, it requires us, at the end of verse 4, to seek Him in His temple to seek Him in His temple. Now, this isn't just talking about church attendance. I could plug church attendance and be like, you need to come to church. That's what it says. This is talking about seeking Him, seeking God. And, and literally, this work, this word, the uh, care, means to inspect or to look closely at. He says, we need to sift through some things. Lord, I want to seek you through all of the, the issues in my life and the, the worry and anxiety and the, oh, the fear that I have. The Lord knows all of those things. So the idea here and the, and the implication of this really is found in another scripture. In, in, uh, in Leviticus 29, 33, It's and this is, if you're an Old Testament kind of person, you'll understand this, of the animal sacrifices, how they had to sift through and find the perfect animal to sacrifice to atone for the sins of the people. So this idea of seeking and saying, Lord, I need to, I need to seek you out. I need to, where are you in this situation, Lord? I don't have a job. What are you teaching me right now? I, I'm, I'm going through this, this family issue right now. I don't want to be with my in-laws right now. What are you trying to teach me, Lord, through this time? He doesn't just want to give you the prescription to get through today. He wants to give you the cure for what ails your soul. But we have to look closely and we have to seek Him. We have to seek Him and the idea of seeking Him, it implies that we would find Him. So we ask of the Lord. And we can do this boldly and confidently. We, do, we pray prayers in accordance with His will and we dwell, we ask the lord to have a dwelling place within us. We gaze upon his attributes, we trust his attributes. He's our stronghold, he's our light, he's our god, he's our peace, he's our everything. But then also, it takes us to go through through our life and we seek him and say, "Lord, where are you in this situation?" And the idea is this. If we seek him, we'll find him. If we ask, also goes with the scripture that I shared last week in Matthew six thirty-three, and it said, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all other things will be given unto you. So this it just it all builds on one another, it all really compounds. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, very much in line with the four things that are on the screen right now of asking, dwelling, and just gazing and seeking. He says, But you seek those things first. then at the end of that, really speaking about worry in that text, it says, you don't have anything to worry about. All other things will be given unto you. Verse 13. Getting back to that. he says, I'm still confident of this. So he he labels in in the text from verse 4, rather verse 5, up to this. A bunch of different things and and just his conversation with the Lord and the things that he asked boldly of the Lord. And you get to verse 13 and he says, even though all these things are going on, even though I have all these stresses, even though my family may may just have abandoned me, maybe I feel like that I am the only one at work who's bringing the light of Christ into that workplace. Even though that I know people speak things ill against me, even though financially I may not be that different as I leave this building, as when you came in here this morning, though you, you know, nobody's probably offered you a job in the last hour, or else it would have been really awkward while I was talking, right? But yet we can have a confidence with the Lord, and He says, I'm still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. If you're a person who writes things down in your Bible, that would be to underlying thing in your Bible. That would be a good one. That's a little assurance this morning. It says, I will see those in the land of the living. We can have the assurance the Lord isn't just going to, Set you out there all by yourself. And he says, you know what? You live your life. You're going to live your life in fear and anxiety and doubt. And you're going to be so consumed with the rest of your life. And then you're going to go to heaven and it's going to be okay. He says, no, if you, if you do these things, you can have the cure for your soul. And he says, that you see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That means in our days that we would that we would see and experience these things of the Lord Jesus. I want to tell you it's a story that the Lord has given to me. It's more more so a parable and that I think will make these ideas make sense. There was an eight year old boy and his dad, they had decided to go on a hike. It was sure to be a memorable experience. They were planning on going just for a day hike of six hours or so with a nice streamside picnic along the trail. Sounds fun, doesn't it? The vehicle was packed. The, The backpacks were loaded with snacks and the boys' favorite, peanut butter and jelly with crunchy peanut butter and grape jelly. Well, they have a flat tire on the way to the National Park where they're planning to hike and they get there a little late. But the boy and his father, they go into the woods undeterred Set for a few hours in the woods. They were having a great day on the trail. They saw many animals. They were looking at vistas. They were looking at cliffs. And they climbed on a few rocks. Well, they noticed that part of the trail was kind of washed out. But they had a map and they were prepared. And it showed them exactly where to go. So they weren't worried. They pushed on. They went up the trail for a few miles. They kind of lost track of time. And at about 3 in the afternoon on this autumn day... The dad looked at his watch and he notices that they're a little later than expected. Dad tries not to show concern to his boy to get him anxious and worried. As the next hours go by, the father is starting to doubt if he's able to make it back by dark. And the dark is a scary place to be, isn't it? Dad tries not to show concern to his boy to get him anxious and worried. And as the father is is trying to speed up, The hike up, the little boy is labored from trying too hard to keep up with his dad. And the sun sets in the deep woods pretty early in late autumn. This evening, it was two hours earlier than they would have liked. And as the sun faded lower and lower on the horizon, the father decided to tell his son the dreadful news. He says, son, we can't go on tonight. It isn't safe to walk through the woods in the dark. And he says, we aren't, we aren't equipped to hike at night, so we're just going to have to camp here. The boy has many questions. Well, Daddy, well we don't have a tent. How can we camp? Well, Daddy, what about food? We don't have any food. Daddy, I'm thirsty. We don't have any water. What are we going to do? I don't even have a sleeping bag. Daddy, are there dangerous animals out here? The father has answers, but not the ones the boy would have liked to hear. The father points to a break in the clouds and to the few stars that he could see between the leaves. And he reminded his son that the same God who hung those stars would be the same God who guided them through the night. And as the night progressed, the boy was getting progressively and more scared. He feared the unknown. He could do nothing but wait. His dad reassured him that the light was coming, and the boy trusted in his father's words. He clutched his father tightly, and they huddled and and hugged through the night, gaining the strength minute by minute, hour by dreaded hour. The little boy rested in his his father's arms for a couple hours of rest, and the woods that night were as dark as when he had closed his own eyes. Huddled closely, daybreak came with the brightness of a 100-watt light bulb in a small room. Their wait was over. They stood the test. The boy relied on the the promised whispers of his father. And this is what his father says and what I say unto you. Wait until the light comes. Wait until the light comes. You may be in, in a dark, dark place right now. You may be going through things that you have never had to endure in your whole life. Wait until the light comes. Put your trust in Christ. Ask of Him. Dwell in His presence. Gaze upon His attributes. Gain strength from those attributes. He is your stronghold. He awaits that relationship with you. Seek Him. Comb through all of those concerns. And do what it says in verse 14. As the the father reassured his son, I assure you this morning, wait For the Lord, take heart, be strong, and wait for the Lord. Though it may be dark right now, we trust in the light, don't we? Though the situation of your life, it may be, like I said, in just an amount of peril that you have never experienced before, the only way that you can have peace in that situation is not by just talking with other people. It isn't by, by resorting to a prescription. It isn't by, by really resorting to anything else. It's only by deepening your walk with Jesus Christ. And I don't know where this lands with you this morning. I know, I know because of really the size of our church, I know kind of what ails a lot of, of our hearts and what is really weighing on your soul right now. But I want to tell you that's common to every person. Take heart. Be strong and wait for the Lord that he may be found. Really, the purpose of these four things that you, on this, that you see on the screen is what do we do? How do we cope with life while waiting for the kingdom of God to come? How do we cope with life? What are we supposed to do here on earth? And this is a phrase, you've probably heard it before, but it is so applicable even right now. We worship while we wait. We worship while we wait. That's what these the four things on the screen are. We worship while we wait. And you do that by having a relationship with Christ Jesus. That he would be our refuge. That he is our stronghold. He is our light. And he is certainly our assurance. Even this morning. I'm going to pray for us. And then I would like, Jared, if you could come up. And we're going to sing one more song together. And here's the thing. As we sing this song, um, we don't do this a whole lot, but I just want you to know it, the, the song is, is a powerful song. But if you feel compelled to come, even, and we don't do this, but if you feel compelled to come to the altar, to come and pray, you know what, it's going to be wide open. I'm, I'm going to step back away from it. But if you have things that you want to pour out to the Lord... This is the place to do it. Do your business with God as you see fit. If you want to pray in your seats, absolutely do it. But I would ask of you one thing. Uh, I would ask one thing. If you see people come up, be respectful for them. Get out of the way for them. If you see people praying, be respectful for those that are praying. And if you see people singing, be respectful for those that are singing. And just let's just take this time and just declare it right back to our Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We just thank you for the blessing and the promise that we have in the Word of God. Lord, that you don't just give us a prescription to, to limp through.